At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to Scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Good morning. There we go. It's great to be here today. I am very privileged to sit here and humbled to stand here, or I guess jump, as, as Jacob said, into things here with you today. Uh, you've heard the old adage, right? Once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget. Ever heard of it? Nodding? Okay, I see some nodding. All right. Uh, I want to have interaction here. You're welcome to say amen anytime you want to, or... Or I would prefer you not to boo if you, unless you really feel necessary. But I, I, the old adage, once you get on a bike, learn how to ride a bike, you're never going to forget. But after you've been off the bike for a while, you might wobble a little bit until you really get going. So we'll see how much wobbling I do today because it's been a few years since I've been in the pulpit. And you know why we call this a pulpit, we pull people from the pit. That's the last joke I'm going to do today. My mic just fell, it got so upset with me. All right. <clears throat> Have you ever gotten really excited for something that really didn't, wasn't all that exciting? Yes, all right, thank you, I got it, all right. Um, I, when I was a teenager and I got my first got my driver's license, I, I was born in, in December, so it was around Christmas time, I got my driver's license and I was ready to take my car out for the first time solo. Now this car, you gotta understand, this was a 1963 Cadillac New Yorker. It weighed about 18,000 tons. It's this huge boat of a vehicle. Like I think they used it in the World Wars or something as, a, as, a, as a, a tank because it was big. And I was, and my mom had saved it for six years after my father died. She saved it for me. Now, she tried but never could learn to drive, so this car just sat there waiting on me to turn 16. And I, when I did, I took it out. My first solo trip was just up the street a little bit to the, the high school, and we were, they were having a basketball tournament. Uh, we went and we enjoyed the tournament. I drove around town because I could, you know. And it was a, I don't know if you know that Chrysler, you probably don't know. The Chrysler New Yorker had a, a rectangular steering hole, so it was kind of like a, a cool thing to drive, and, and I had pulled in the, in the park in front of my house, I got out, and a guy came up to me and said, hey, can you give me a ride, to the, my, a ride home? I'm cold, and, and you know, and he lived on the way on the south side of town. Now, I got to admit, the south side of town in our town was not that far away. We had like 1,800 800 people in the entire town, I think, if you included some of the people quite right there, and I, but I said, you know, it was snowing, and, and it's slippery and stuff. So I, I said, sure, we hopped in, I drove and about, I was on my way to ha his house, I hit a patch of ice. And this big thing starts going around 360s, about three, four, I don't know, it seemed like a hundred times. And we came to an abrupt stop into a tree. And fortunately, I want to tell you, no one was hurt, well, except for the car. It was actually totaled. And so I, you know, one day of driving, and I didn't have a car. So I spent the next year plus 
earning money, scraping, scrounging, doing anything I could to get enough money to buy my first vehicle on my own, you know. So with money in my pocket, I head to our only dealership in town, and, but I found the perfect car. Now, we're just coming off of, of cruise weekend, week, so this was an, and Ed, you better know what this is, okay? Hang on, hang on. It was a 1967 Burgundy Camaro Supersport, 350 cubic inches of four-barrel carburetor, hearse four on the floor, and 70 series tires. It was the perfect vehicle. And I went home and told my mother about it. She said, absolutely not. You're going to kill yourself in that vehicle. I don't know why. I had such a stellar driving record. I don't know how she could ever think that. But we had this discussion. Yeah. Okay, we had this argument. And it ended with me storming out of the room, going to my bedroom, slamming the door, throwing myself on the bed. And I mean, I was slamming my hands on the on the bed and saying, it's not fair. It's my money. It's not fair. My life is over. I have nothing to live for. Yeah, I was mature. Um, but you know, I think there are kids, not here today, there are no kids here today that would do this. But there are kids in this world that will throw a temper tantrum when they're told to, like, clean up your room or put down that game, or get off the phone, right? And I'm going to say there are some adults, again, no one here in this room, that might throw a similar tantrum for things like not getting, getting rejected for a date, or not getting that car, that house, those shoes that you wanted, or not getting the recognition you thought you deserved from your boss. Those moments when we throw up our hands and we cry out, life has no meaning anymore. Yeah, a little dramatic, but in a real, as a real part of the human experience, these little blow-ups, I believe, are symptomatic of something much deeper. You see, we don't live in the world we were made for. We were made for living in the garden with God where creation itself worked with us and we had all of our satisfaction in him. That's the world we were meant for. But the world we live in is profoundly broken and sinful. When our souls react so strongly against these things, these little inconveniences, sure there's some immaturity, in those reactions, but there is also something much more significant taking place. Our souls are crying out for an unbroken world where life as it was meant to be happens. And that's the unspoken cry of Ecclesiastes. We've just gone through a five, this is our sixth week in a, in a series called Smoke and Mirrors. And that series has brought us through the book of Ecclesiastes and the preacher has looked to five different circumstances, five different places in the world to find fulfillment. If you were here all the weeks, if not, I'm going to give you a quick overview, but in the first week, he hoped to, 
he could, be, could leave a lasting mark on this world. But he found that, that God was the real creator. Then he hoped he could find joy in the power of knowledge. But that only brought vexation for him. And he hoped he could satisfy himself with hedonistic self-indulgence. But he discovered that every buzz has a, a hangover. And then he, he looked to wise living, but found that wise and the wise and the foolish, they all suffer the same fate. Then he looked in one more place last week. He looked for, to, to seek to accomplish enough things, to accumulate enough things to satisfy him. But he found out he could not be satisfied. And that's where we land today. Today, our last, our last message is, is on the final chapter, the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. And then today, he is chasing after the wind. He delivers to us another question, a final question. As we skip to that end of Ecclesiastes Day, we read the preacher's, we read the preacher's conclusion and his pursuits. His, the conclusion was, nothing does anything really matter, I guess. And is there any meaning? Does anything really matter? Is there any meaning? Is there any meaning in this life? If you looked in your Bibles, Pastor read it for us. You probably have them over. If you don't, you can, if you do, you can keep them over. If not, you can maybe find it. And uh, what, it's, what we're going to do is see how he seeks God's wisdom finally for this question. The first phrase of this chapter 12 is, our, is a key phrase. So remember it as we go along. It says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. That word remember, that word remember means... To, to deeply respect or admire God, to keep his laws faithfully and to serve him responsibly because he created us. Let, let's face it, every one of us owes God our lives. We would not be here if he didn't create us. That's the word remember, to keep it in perspective. The preacher is telling us that we should not wait until we're old to do this, however. He says, to do it now. The preacher has already tried, remember, each one of these other ways to find meaning. We can find it ourselves if we want to, or we can look and take, take heed of what he's saying to us on how to, how to, to answer that question. I want to tell you, I can, I can thankfully say that when I... I I was only eight years old when I accepted the gift that Christ offered me. And I know, I know I didn't understand it all when I, when I accepted him. It was way beyond my understanding. And many times I have failed to stay the course. I know that. But I will tell you today that I'm grateful that I missed all of the so-called pleasures of the world that leads to a path of destruction. 
I tell, people are amazed that I never got drunk. I don't know. They are amazed at some of the other things that I never had fun doing. And I tell them, yep, you're right. I missed it. I missed it right on by. I actually had a sermon that I, that I heard when I was a teenager, and that's what the title of the sermon. Missed it right on by. It's about staying out of the word world and staying in the word. So now we, we look at the first eight verses of this chapter, and the preacher uses some metaphors to to try to paint a picture of, the, of an approaching doom. I'm not going to try to here explain those, those metaphors. I'm just going to say that he uses poetic language. I'm going to sum it up. He uses poetic language to communicate one simple truth. You ready? You're going to die, so what's the point? That's what he's come up with. All of the searching... All the different philosophies he fell into, all of the different places he looked, and he came up with, what's the point? And then it gives way to a final proclamation that he makes. In verse 8, he says, Vanity of vanities, the preacher says. All is vanity. Do you hear? The just, the giving up in that statement. There's nothing. He's come to the end of everything. Then, then he, the preacher has the opportunity for joy. He sees the opportunity for joy that he could have had passing him by because he's getting older all the time. You can't enjoy life when you're fearing death. It, it, it just doesn't work together. You know, this truth is, what, because, you know that's truth because have you ever tried to spend some time with your friends before, like a big test or that big meeting that you aren't sure why, why the boss called or some other great event that you, you're, you're looking forward to? You want to have fun that night or that day with your friends. Maybe you have your favorite food and your favorite people. Everything should be sweet, but it's not. Why? Well, because there's a numbness in your taste buds and in your soul that robs you of the joy. There's, there's fear of what's coming, of what might be that extinguishes what should be joy burning in you. Anytime you try to reignite that, it's just vanity. You're just trying to show, and it's not going to work. So what do we do in the face of this meaninglessness? The preacher is just like, ugh, I'm done. Well, to get that, we have to go a little bit further. It's unfortunate the, the, the chapter break here is just a couple, go a couple of verses forward to 11, chapter 11, verse 7. That kind of starts this thought. In 7 and 8, the preacher kind of called for us to enjoy life in view of that darkness of death. You see the, 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 the struggle there, the contrast. Then in 9 and 10, he says, he's urging us to, to like um, take that enjoyment in our youth because, well, because youth is so short-lived. I know when I was a kid, I thought I would never become a teenager. 
Then when I was a teenager, I never thought I'd become an adult. Now that I'm an adult, I was all right with being a teenager. Life is so short, and you look back on what could have been, but what wasn't. But he also says, and in, 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 now we're back to, um, to, to the, the last verse of that, and he says, all that enjoyment, however you should have, should be tempered with the knowledge that we are all answerable to God. We all have to answer. Finally, in, in, we're back in chapter 12 again, the first verse, and the preacher underlined the urgency. Remember I said, in, the, in your, remember your creator in, your, in the days of your youth, because old age brings its own health issues, its own mental deterioration, its loss of significance, and it all just merely ends in death. The older you get, the harder it is. Now, I'm never going to be old because I've determined old is 20 years older than I am. Okay, a few of you laugh, but I, I, I'm just going to keep moving on because it's not working here. Um, but, you know, we need, to, we need to stay right now. That's what he says, to do it now. So while the advice is fine, the advice is, the advice is fine, it still has a problem with the future. How is, it, how is that any hope if we're destined to die? Where's the hope in that? Here is where we find hope in the first verse. Remember I said, remember also the creator in the days of your youth. The joy in God, there is that joy in God today. Our creator created us to enjoy him. Kids and young people, this passage is specifically to you. It's dedicated to you. Did you know that you were made to worship God and to enjoy him forever? That's why we are all made. And, and the youth have it made because they can start now. This is what God made us for. It's like, it's like the dog is happiest when he's chasing cats. I don't particularly like cats, sorry. I'm allergic to them, and so that's my excuse. Cats are happiest when, well, when they're laying in the sun, right? To be honest, that's, that's when a cat is happiest, when he's just hanging out. And you are happiest when you are following in God's will, when you're enjoying God. That's why we are made. This is how he made us. But sin came into the picture, and that, that made a big problem for us. Our sin separates us from God, which means that we are separated from what makes us happiest. But God loves us so much that he didn't leave us to, to live apart from him forever. Jesus came to give us a relationship with God again. He came to connect us to God who will make us happiest. He came to show us how great God is and how much he loves us. So how do we respond? We respond by trusting Jesus' death to pay the consequences for our sin. We respond by choosing to follow Jesus. We respond by thanking God every day for loving us. I carry around this bottle with me all the time. 
And uh, it's custom made. I don't remember what you call that thing. You put it on, it's, it's, you stick it on there. Anyway, it's there. And it says, I am better than I deserve. And you hear me say that if you talk to me at all. And say, you ever ask me how, I, how I'm doing? I'm going to tell you. I'm better than I deserve. Because why? Because I don't deserve God anymore. Well, my grandson put boom. I had to figure, he had to tell me what that meant. But anyway, you know, mic drop type of thing, okay? Uh, I don't deserve God. I, but I, so I'm better than I deserve because God gave me back a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. When we realize that we don't, that we deserve to die and that we have no hope, that is when Jesus says, I love you anyway. He gives back the happiness that we were meant to have. And life finds purpose again. That's what happened to the preacher. There was no purpose anymore. You know what's really cool about this? Is that because of Jesus, we can begin to experience that life today. Because of Jesus, we can experience we can experience that life forever. We also have hope that God will bring everything under his judgment because God does bring everything under his judgment. That's our second big idea for today. This is the message of hope that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes. As we look at, at verses 9 through 13 of chapter 12, as, as Ecclesiastes ends, it speaks of a diligent searching by the preacher and, and hard work trying to figure it all out. It speaks also of taking action based on the knowledge that he'd learned rather than just studying, analyzing endlessly. Now, Young people, that does not give you an excuse not to study. We're supposed to study, but not just intellectually. You know, when you throw a football, if you, it's football season, so I can do this, right? You, when you throw a football, you have to take into account some mathematical skills. You have to take into account trajectory, speed, viscosity, the earth's rotation, and its pull. You need to come up with all of those things in order to connect with the, the receiver. Now, you don't do that on paper, but you're doing that in your head as you're calculating. We're putting into practice things that we have learned. If we just learn it, we're just a bench sitter, and we never get in the game. So the preacher learns that he's accumulated some knowledge, but he needed Put it to action. You know, we can sum up all of this, these, the six-week ser series in six words in English. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. You know how I know that? Because he reads next, it reads, for this is the whole duty of man. This is it. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's all we have to do. 
Well, it's not complicated. It's very simple. I'm not saying it's easy. There are difficulties and times and struggles, but it's simple. Fear, that word fear, by the way, the word fear is not being afraid of. It's respecting and devoting to someone. So be devoted to God and, and to keep his commandments. That's the entire duty. What happens else? Well, everything else is vanity. Everything else is vanity. This is what the preacher discovered. And so he concludes by concludes his whole book in the next few verses. You see, people in our society, in our little corner of Metro Detroit, are suffering every day in hopelessness and despair through failing to leave a lasting mark on the world, through failing to find joy and power and knowledge, through failing to satisfy themselves through hedonistic self-indulgence, in failing through, through failing to accumulate enough things and failing to live wisely, through failing, through failing, failing, failing until they and possibly even we today say nothing really matters because I can't make anything work. However, we were made to, con to fear God and keep his commandments. If, you, if your own joy and fulfillment is, is not a motivation enough, and if knowing God and, and his love for you is not motivation enough, he finally gives us one more motivation. That is, God will bring every deed into judgment. That means, in the end, his ways went out. I love that song that we sang, that last song. That, that just, I, I tell you, I wanted to say this earlier. I, we could have actually just said amen and gone home because that worship was pretty good. The worship was very good. I enjoyed a great, but I had something to say, so already prepared. I thought we'd, we'd keep going. But that last song says it all. He'll never fail. Ever fail. He wins in the end. You heard this heard them say that I read the Bible and in the, in the end I found out we win. That's truth. So you might find fleeting pleasure today by wandering away from God's ways, but today's not the end. In your life, you, you choose to follow him and find joy in him forever, or you choose to seek joy in, in whatever you can grab for today. But heed the preacher's warnings here. What you have today will not last forever. You ought to use the wisdom that you can find in God's word. In verse 11, he reminds us that like a goad, you know what a goad is? It is a long stick. Thank you for saying no, someone over there. It's a long stick that's been sharpened on one end. And they, use the, they would use that to prod or goad the ox to get moving. They give him a little poke to get him going on. And I tell you, I was poked by a, 
a steer prodder one time. That's a whole story, but I don't want that again. That hurt. And so it says it goads us along. That means it gives us encouragement, wisdom does. But it also acts like a nail to hold us fast in the storms of life. That, that nail probably refers to the nails that Solomon used to build the temple. They were golden nails. Nails that wouldn't rust or wouldn't corrode, but would hold firmly for the storms. We need to understand that there is something yet to do. We need to go and grab a hold of not today, but forever. Your time, your talent, your treasure, they're all assets with an expiration date. Yet, there is, there is a really reality beyond that expiration date. You don't have to be able to do what you used to do. I can't do some of the things I used to do, but I still can hold fast to what God offers. There is an eternity in God. We can try to spend our resources on our present joy. We can do that. But there's an eternal joy that put before us in him. Let us live into that joy. Living into that joy means taking God at, at his with his generous offer of Jesus. Because of Jesus on the cross, we are judged as righteous. No matter what we have done, if we accept the payment for him, his sin, our sin, he has declared us righteous. So even if you didn't miss it right on by, even if you didn't accept him as a young person and grow up following him and serving him and, and living in his joy and fulfillment, and you have a lot of sin, baggage, stuff you aren't proud of, things you wish you, you can't get out of your mind, take it to the cross. Jesus says, give it to me. I've got it. You no longer have to worry about it. I can take it. Living that eternal joy means doing the things God values. Acts of love, acts of compassion, for the things God values, his people, his creation. In such living, we will break through the meaninglessness of this chaotic world and seize upon the shimmering beauty just beyond the veil. Eternal joy awaits you if you seize it today. The thought pattern of nihilism itself, and that's, that's the philosophy we're challenging today of life has no meaning. Only today matters because nothing is promised beyond today. The Romans had a saying, live for today, for tomorrow we die. 
That was a soldier's motto because they didn't know what was coming up next. They had no idea. So let's do what we can for today. That's what the world teaches us. That's what nihilism teaches us. That's what philosophies in general teach us. Let's just live it out and see what happens because there's nothing left. But the truth that we find in the Bible, in the pages of the Bible, we can find the truth that there is a promise for tomorrow and a promise for eternity. My friends, today is the day to seize the day that will give us eternity. If you've never accepted Christ, I beg you to do it today. It would be grand. It would be grand if every youth here today would have Christ and live that life being fulfilled by Christ. This whole message was meant for, for the youth of today. I pray that you'll do that. We're going to pray right now. But if you do know Christ and you're saying, hey, I'm not sure I'm understanding what you're saying. I don't see it quite the way it is. Why the, my, my, my life is not the, quite the way you painted it. The answer is, fear God, keep his commandments. We're letting the world try to lead us. And that doesn't work out. But fear God, keep his commandments can give us that joy. We're happiest when we, are, when we are with God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, so very thankful for this series that reminds us that there are so many thoughts out in this world that, that challenge us, challenge our faith, challenge, us, challenge the reality. They say there's truth, but there is only one truth, and that truth is in you. I pray for those today that may not know you, whether here or online. I pray that, that you will, that they will see what you offer in your gift and accept it today. I pray, Lord, that, that those of us who might be struggling, that we will get back to the basics that the preacher tells us. Fear God, keep your commandments. We struggle because we don't do that, Lord. Open our eyes. Let us live the happiness that you have, have, prepared, have made us for today. In your fulfillment, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.